You're listening to Seahawks Stories, taking you behind the scenes with your favorite Seahawks. Setbacks behind Zorn, who's back to pass. Has time, looks for the left sideline, throws a bomb down there. He's got a man in front. He makes the grab. It's Rabel at the 30, down to the 20. They'll never get him. He scores. Touchdown, Seahawks. Powered by Seahawks.com. And Zorn laid it in perfectly to Rabel, who goes in to score on an 80-yard pass and run play. Now, here's your host, the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel, and Seahawks legend, Jim Zorn. Hey. Well... I am here. This is Jim Zorn, not Steve Rabel. And Raves is out today. So I, uh, he encouraged me to uh, continue with our series of legends and stories of, uh, of yesteryear. And so I am going to take uh, the reins here. And I've got a special guest today. And I was hoping, and I know Raves would love to be here to ask you a lot of questions, but we have Sherman Smith, who was a former Seahawk player when I played, a former uh, high school, local high school coach, a former uh, college coach, pro coach, and uh, former Seahawk coach as well. Gosh, you have kind of run the gamut, Sherman. Sherman, welcome to uh, our program here, our podcast here, and... uh, I know, uh, since we've known each other for so long, we'll have a lot to talk about. Oh, Lee, man, thanks for having me on the program with you, man. We we have had uh, several of your, you know, past uh, memoried players. We even had Nick Bebout on, uh, who you pl- you were uh, you were oh, pl- yeah. he was playing when you were playing. I believe it. Yep. I believe it. Uh, anyway, uh, it, I want people who have tuned in to kind of get a feel for you and how you got to the Seahawks. Did you grow up in a football family and play football most of your childhood? Well, you know, I didn't grow up in a football family, but, you know, I played football since my childhood. Did so you my have- brother and I became members of this uh, uh, local neighborhood center called McGuffey Center. And we started playing football there. I believe we were about eight years old. And, uh, man, just guys on our side of town, we ended up going to the, you know, all of us were in the Little League together. We went to junior high together. We went to high school together. And so it was it was a pretty pretty unique situation. So I started there, like I said, about seven or, seven or eight years old. So after high school, did you guys all split up and go to different colleges? Or were you one of the, were you one of the only ones that went on to play College football and where did tell uh, tell everybody where you went and how your career uh, happened there because uh, I'm interested well, in that. Really blessed. It was really blessed. You know, our high school team. Uh, when my high school coach came to my high school, it was probably my uh, freshman year. At that point, our high school had the probably the losingest uh, record in the state of Ohio. We were pretty bad, and so this guy Clifton Knox, he came to our high school, North High School on the east side. And, man, he turned that program around from the inside out, and he didn't do it with X's and O's. He just <laughs> talked to us about pride in your community, pride in yourself. I mean, he just he just built us up in esteem, you know, built all of us up, man, affirmed all of us. And, man, we started having winning championships. So by my junior year, my senior year, you know, we were winning city championships, uh, competing in state championships. And I was blessed to get offered a full scholarship to Miami of Ohio, as well as some of my other teams. They went to other colleges. 
One other of my teammates, he went to Miami of Ohio with me my first year. Then he ended up transferring out after the first year. Okay. But we had a lot of guys, man, that were blessed to be able to go and play college football other places. And and, and, and I always say, too, uh, Clifton Knox was the reason why I wanted to become a coach. You know, he was okay. he was my inspiration. I said, man, I want to be a coach like Coach Knox. So really coaching on the college level and the pro level was never my dream or aspiration. Even playing in the NFL was not a goal of mine. I wanted to go to a college, get my degree, and go back to Youngstown, High, Youngstown, Ohio, and be a high school coach. That's all I wanted to do. So, did you and major? So when I was did, did you major in education then? Yes, I did. Okay. Yes, I did. So that's why when my career was over with, man, I didn't, I didn't stumble around trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I was excited. I said, man, now I get to do what I went to college to do, and that was be a teacher and a coach. Okay. So I was really excited about what came after football for myself. But when you got out of high school. You were a quarterback. Is uh, you didn't change positions in uh, from high school to college, did you? They recruited you as a QB. No. They they were they were, honestly they were honest with me. You know, Coach Mallory recruited me as a, as a QB, and when I got there, we, there was another quarterback. We were both all state quarterbacks, and he said whichever one doesn't you know win the job, you know, as a quarterback will go to defensive back. And I really didn't care. I was kind of excited about playing DB myself. <laughs> but, you know, I ended up, you know, becoming the freshman that, you know, that they decided that would be the quarterback and, and see how they could develop me. And so he went to defensive back, and, and I ended up staying a quarterback. And you stayed uh, – you were there all – your your entire college career. You didn't get – there was no portal then. There was nothing going on. No, uh, man. You, uh, you, and, and there you was stuck no, it out. And there was no red shirt, so you had four years. You had four years to graduate. My freshman year was the first year that freshmen were eligible to play varsity. Okay. So so there definitely wasn't red shirt. Like I said, my first year, freshmen could play varsity. Okay, so I brought everybody up to that point because this is what's really interesting about you coming to the Seahawks in 1976, the very first year the Seahawks started playing in the NFL you were a second round draft choice coming out of uh, <laughs> coming out of Miami of Miami Ohio, of Ohio. Miami of Ohio. Yeah. and mm-hmm. uh, when the Seahawks drafted you, what did they tell you? You were going to compete against me because I was I no. was a free agent. No, no, but I, I got drafted as a wide receiver, so you know. <laughs> I, I, Think I, about that. I, yeah, I, I really wasn't kidding myself. You know, I knew as a quarterback, I didn't have the throwing skills. I was more of a running quarterback. Okay. You know, I was a running quarterback in college, in high school as well as in college. So I wasn't kidding myself. And so when when other coaches from the NFL came to me and said, hey, we're going to move you to DB or we're going to move you to tight end. I, after my uh, we played a bowl game my senior year in college, I went and played in an all-star game as a tight end. <laughs> so I, one day I was a quarterback. I got MVP in the game as a quarterback, and then I go to an all-star game, and I'm playing as a tight end. I but the Seahawks that. told me, yeah, they drafted me as a wide receiver. And so right. uh, think about this. And then the story is yeah. the first day of training camp when Jack came to me, yes. and it was kind of funny. He came to me and said, have you been looking at the running back plays? And I just thought he forgot, you know, man, he must have forgot <laughs> who, what, what he drafted me as, you know. And right. he, said, uh, he said, you know, I said, no, Coach, I'm a, you drafted me as a wide receiver. He said, well, not anymore. He said, we're moving you to running. <laughs> How did that – and you didn't care because you had already played tight end. You had played QB. Uh, you, want, you, you could have been a DB. Uh, that didn't hurt your feelings. 
Well, you know, it kind of it was interesting because at that point, you know, it was the first day of training camp, and I had never played running back, hadn't played running back since little league football. So I said, "Here it is, man. You know, I'm coming at the NFL, and my very, you know, I'm getting moved to running back. So it's it's a lot different than you know, as you know, Z lining up underneath the center. Now I'm lining up seven yes. half yards deep. Yes. And and the funny story that I always tell is is that I remember our first day out. You know, when I got moved to running back, Andy McDonald was our running back coach, and I give him so much credit for. To help me because he taught he took me as a guy that never played running back and helped me understand the skills and the things to be a running back. So when I became a coach, a lot of it was what I learned from Andy mm-hmm. McDonald. What was his but, but what, what was his favorite first, favorite pre, favorite phrase or phrases that you remember? I'm trying to oh man, I man he had so many of them man. But he just <laughs> I know he always called me Reverend and it was always Reverend and you know but he was he was a fun loving dude man. Yeah, but what I remember about him, Z, is a, uh, you know, he told me he said, "Don't worry, you know, we're gonna take it slow with you, and you know, you'll figure it out." So we go out to our first practice, and we have a nine on seven drill, and so I'm standing in the back, like, okay, I'm waiting, you know, I'm standing in the back. You're gonna take it slow, and he says, "Get in there." I said, "What do you mean, get in there?" And he, I, I said, "You said you were gonna take it slow," and he started laughing. He said, "I lied to you, kid. Get in there." And I said, "Man." It was so funny, man. And I'm I'm going to the huddle and we're laughing about it. But I'm saying he figured the best way to learn is to do it. And so that's yeah. that's what happened, man. So I from the very first day, you know, they put me in that position and said, Man, you'll learn why you do it. Yeah, we didn't have many coaches uh at that particular time either. So Andy was both the uh he was the running back coach, but he also was a special teams coach at that time. Oh, oh yeah uh, as well. Yeah. AC, and you talk about now what was funny. What is funny thing was during the game, you know, you would see Andy coming to you. You know, so I, I, I wasn't on any special teams except you know blocking on the extra point, right, or something. You would see Andy walking up to you during the game, and you start going in another direction because he would always come. <laughs> He'd always come, hey, kid, I'm in a pinch. Do you think he could run down and cover a kickoff for him? You know, it was always that kind of stuff. You see Andy coming at you, go run over to the trainer somewhere. And say, hey, you know, he started limping. you knew what was coming. <laughs> well, when you oh, think man. about this, I always think that you are six. You are 6'4 when you start playing. And yes. uh, so uh, the in the run game, with Andy, you know, you see a lot of guys, uh, Barry Sanders being 5'8", and uh, some guys, you know, built low to the ground. You were built uh, big, and fortunately you had some uh, you had some thickness to you as well. Uh, you know, you weren't just tall and, and skinny, if you will, like a mm-hmm. wide receiver right. might be. You had some, you had some a weight to you. Uh, but you, you started at the tailback position, and, uh, but we were a two-back offense. So right. we had David Sims as uh, mm-hmm. as a fullback. He was there when you were there, correct? Right, uh, right. And, and Don Testament. I was going to say. Don Testament was, yeah. He so was a fullback as well. You know, Dan Dornick, you yeah. know, yes. Yeah, so there were guys. Uh, Jimmy Jodat, remember him? <laughs> Jim Jodat, yep. 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 Mm-hmm. So uh, we, we had, a, we had a, a crew there, but you started. Now, when did – it happened that we started running the sprint draw series because that was a uh, that was a design series by Andy McDonald and Howard Mudd. Mm-hmm. When did that happen? Well, right you know, when you started? Because I can't remember whether it was our first year or our second year that we started this whole series. 
No, it was our first year. It, okay. it definitely was in our first year. And they were taking advantage of your ability to get out on the edge and, and you know, threaten with the running with the pass. And so that's what made the play really successful. You know, they it was, we almost had to run pass option in before anybody knew about it, you know, because right. it was, you know, hey, man, they, they, they didn't know you were either going to hand it off or you were going to keep it. And if you kept it, you're going to throw it, you're going to run it. So I think, you know, they came up with a great uh, design of an offense that was really good for us for quite a bit of what for, for, for a long time. What What is amazing to me, and I don't think a lot of people realize on that sprint draw series that you were the you were the main character in that and I handed you the ball even though we were coming off tackle I handed you the ball 7 yards deep you you took mm-hmm. lateral steps uh you didn't come forward until you got the until you got the ball and cuz I think it was yes. it was open crossover plant and yes. uh I I came out almost at a 45 degree angle deep mm-hmm. and I reached to get you the ball but then I would reach you would fake uh you would fake as though you had the ball and then I'd be outside I mean that had to be right. a really difficult uh process for uh, outside linebackers yeah and, and for me it was easy because you know like I said I was tall so that first open step was really I could get a lot of width on that step in the crossover so I was able to get the width that we needed and you were able to get the depth that we needed, so it, it all worked out pretty good for us. And what did you see when you got the ball? I mean, how did how did you handle uh, the sprint draw? Because you ran a lot of them, and you had the you had the opportunity to to do various things on that play. Well, you know, it was, was kind of easy at that point, you know, because usually the aiming point was somewhere is either going to be the butt of a ghost, the the butt of the tight end, or the butt of a ghost tight end. Okay. So I always knew that was my aiming point and I was just going to read what was open, you know? So it was, Hey man, they blocking them one way. I'm going the other way. You yeah. know, so yeah. it, it really wasn't that hard. It was like, Hey, run to the open run where it's open. And so, uh, and the, our tight ends did a good job but when they had to block and our tackles would come out and block that <clears> defense in when they had to. So it was just read their blocks. And, and, you know, it was quite simple uh, for me to see where the open area was and just run to it. What I thought was great uh, about that series, uh, we would fake play action as well, and I would set up to throw, or mm-hmm. I would drop yep. and you and you released, uh, right. or you check released, however however, mm-hmm. however we had it. But I thought we were, you know, Jerry, Andy, Howard, those guys uh, made – created an offense that was very difficult to defend and we were pretty successful early in our careers at, at you know for the Seahawks well yeah and, and you know, like I say you know and I and everybody knows this the reason why our offense was successful was because of you because we had a quarterback that could run the ball and throw on the run and throw in the pocket so I really thought that the whole offense, I may have been what, what happened in the run game, but I think it really revolves around usually because mm-hmm. of your ability to do so many different things that other quarterbacks couldn't do, you know. Well, and so I, I thought that's what really made us special on offense. And then when you get guys like Steve Large and Sam McCollum, Steve Rabel, Ron Howard, guys that could catch the ball, and then our linemen that could block, it, it was great. But I, I really thought it all came from your ability to do what you did. Well, yeah, I appreciate that, and uh, we had to do we had to do some special things to uh, survive early in that because we we had uh, uh, you know we basically had an expansion team with expansion players, and we built a pretty good nucleus early, uh, oh, yes, early in that uh, tenure. But 
uh, one of the things, and you you said this, you were very limited in what you did on special teams, but you were a wingback on the left mm-hmm. side uh, on our field yep. goal team. And one mm-hmm. of the one of the uh, things that we always did uh, was run fake field goals. And I don't know uh, I don't know how many fake field goals you were involved with, but I do remember one against the San Diego Chargers, and I believe it was on a Monday night that mm-hmm. this whole yep. thing was going to you, right? Right. Yeah. And it was funny too because you know my last two years in the league, I played at San Diego. And when I went down, you know, when I go down to San Diego, the special teams coach told me, he said, man, we told those guys to watch the fake against you guys. And he said, and that's exactly what they did. They watched it. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. So, yeah. But, you know, Jack, you know, hey, man, we were coming there. Z, You know, we were coming there and we knew Jack always had something, man. He's going to have a fake field goal, a fake punt. You know, it was kind of funny just waiting to see on, on Tuesday or Wednesday whenever we came in there. Just with Jack, you know what he had, and yep. it was he, and that was one of his one of his plays, man. Yep. And, and I, so uh, I just remember everybody taking pride on that field goal team, uh, not just oh yeah. not just to block it and and have the kick go up, but we took pride in okay, what what is the fake this week, and mm-hmm. you, and you knew, right. you knew he studied it because every single week we had one in, and every single week it was only designed for that particular team. That's right. That's right. And that San Diego oh, man, game, yeah. that was a shovel. It was a shovel to you. You, uh, yes, it uh, was. I set mm-hmm. the ball down, and you came behind the line of scrimmage, and I shoveled it right when you got in front of me. And you took it right. around the right. You know, I don't know if we yeah. blocked a guy out, but you took it right up the field. You scored. I mean, there were nobody touched. Oh yeah, it didn't get touched. Didn't get touched at all. I you did. know, it was a it was a, it was a great design play. Do you remember? Very great. Did you run any others? I mean, did we have you uh, have any others for first downs, or uh, or was that your main one that you remember? That was that was the main one. You know, we know the one that you did on Monday night against Atlanta, where you threw it to Efren. Yeah. You know, and we had some other ones, but I think that was the one that I think I remember the most. That is probably the one that was specifically designed yeah. for me. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was good. Well, after. Um, after uh, the years there, uh, in, 19, in 1982, that was your tenure in, in Seattle. And, but in 81, I got injured. And, you know, one of the, thing, one of the stories that I, I'll, I'll never forget, do you, do you know that I still remember the play I got injured on against the Raiders? And do you know that I threw the ball to you? On no, the, I didn't. On, on the play I got injured on. And I don't know, it, it was a play called 96, and I can't – all I remember is you lined up on the right side in the backfield and you ran a corner route. And it was the, it was the time uh, – and you know how, how hard it was to play the Raiders and how much yes. we dislike the Raiders. But I'll rem, I always remember this play called 96 because you, you had a corner route. We were clearing – we were clearing the, this zone out for you, and you got past the line of scrimmage, and then you ran a corner. And I'll, and I'll remember uh, Jerry Rome, my co- our coach, telling me, you know, hey, I want you to really stand strong in the pocket. So I said, yeah, I will, I'll, I'll do that. Uh, and I stood strong. I uh, planted. I saw you. I threw the ball to you, and that's when I got 
hit and my ankle pinned, and then uh, oh. I got I got pushed over. But it was that play, and it was a completion. Um, yes, I, I can't remember. I didn't know that was a play. That, I didn't know that was a that play. Was that, that was the one I got injured on. Wow. So, man. well, you see, we know how it happens, man. You know, it's you know plays like that when you know. People don't, you know, it's not a big hit in a, in a pile or something like that, but it's just you stand strong in the pocket, you get hit, and yep. boom, and, and it's a, a significant injury. You know, I know the injuries that I had to my anterior cruciates. I think I tore my anterior cruciate in 80, and, heck, I didn't even get touched on it. I, it was I, No one touched me, and, and I blew my knee out. So yeah. I just said, man. That is interesting because we talked to um, uh, uh, Kurt Warner, he was on one of mm-hmm. our podcasts, and he, I, I, I remember handing him the ball. You were already gone, but I remember handing yep. him the ball uh, on a goal line play, and he did a jump cut, and he blew, he tore his anterior cruciate mm-hmm. ligament as well. And what, right, what, right. what game do you remember in that nineteen eighty season, Sherman? What game that was? I can't remember. Man, I can't remember Z. I know, um, no, I can't remember. I don't want to guess on it. Yeah, you just made a but cut. But I know we were at home. I know we were at home when, when I did. It. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, so, no, we were. You, did you get traded to San Diego uh, in '82? Yes. In '82, yeah. You know the way it went down was first I got traded to Kansas City, and then I go there and they they failed me on the physical saying that, that I had a neck issue. So then I came back, and really the Se- the Seahawks were really great to me because they, uh, I think John was I think John Thompson was still the GM, but they called me and they said, "Hey, you have your choice." Howard Mudd was in Cleveland, and uh, they said we can trade you to Cleveland or to San Diego. Well, I'm from Youngstown, Ohio, so I'm, man, that'd be close to home. So I called my mom and you know told my mom about it, you know, and and my mom encouraged me to to go to San Diego. She just said, you know. And I love the, you know, the Pacific Northwest. And she just said, you know, son, you know, why don't you stay and go to San Diego? So <laughs> that's where I ended up getting traded to San Diego. Okay, I didn't know that. How many years were you there? You played with Dan Fouts, obviously. Two. Yes, okay. yes. Great experience playing with the, playing with those guys. Really a great experience. Very talented team. Very, a lot of talent. Yeah. A lot of talent on that team. But your knee... Uh, didn't allow you to have a long a long career at that time, and was it your knee that no, kept you, or was it your neck? No, what happened was, like I said, I, I tore my anterior cruciate. I believe it was 1980. I tore my uh, right anterior cruciate in 1980, and Z man, we're doing a walkthrough in '83 at at, uh, at, a, at a camp at a camp in San Diego, and I blew my other knee out. And that's and that was it. <laughs> you were at a walkthrough. Walk I'm okay. it was a walkthrough. When I went down, everybody thought I was joking, huh. because there was we were doing it on air. Yeah. And I planted my left knee, man, and it just buckled. And I'm laying down there, and I'm pinching myself, hoping it's a dream. I'm saying, man, this got to be a dream. Mm. And it was it. I, I tore it worse than the one that I did. Uh, you know, my right knee. So that ended my career right there. That was it. I knew that I wasn't playing any more football. Sherman, when you were done, why did you, why did you come back to the Northwest? Uh, was it because of friendships you had, you had established up here, or you, I know you, you know, I, I didn't get why. If you were in San Diego, you're from Youngstown, Ohio. Why you came back up here? Because you, you, you established your home up here. 
Yeah, I, we really liked it. You know, Sharon and I, we really liked the Pacific Northwest. And like you said, we had established friendships. You know, it really changed once I was no longer a member of the Seahawks, you know, because a lot of our friendships for me was, you know, guys in that locker room. Sure. And, you know, like guys like yourself and, and, and Steve and, you know, just those guys that we had, those Dave Brown and guys like that. But, you know, it became different once – I wasn't on the team because man, you guys were working, you know, you guys right. were work. And so it was, it was, it was different, but I still, we still liked Seattle. We, we enjoyed our time there and, you know, and I enjoyed it even when I came back and coached, uh, you know, my tenure with Pete Carroll, you know, I, I really thought about when I retired from coaching, staying in the Pacific Northwest, but with our kids being closer back here, you know, we thought this would be best for us. Well, you started, uh, how many years did it take you to get, uh, to become a coach and you started in high school, I believe at Redmond high school. Yeah, I started really, I started, I was teaching at Redmond middle school and I started my coaching at Redmond middle school. Oh, okay. And then Jim Sampson asked me to come up and, and to work with the, with the, with the varsity football team. So then it, I started that. So I was at both places. I went to middle school. Then I would go up to the high school. And then the next year I was just at the high school. Yep. And then you went to the, uh, then you started at the college level and you had to move. That's you, you'd think you'd be done. Yes. You think you were going to be done moving. And then all of a sudden uh, you get an opportunity to coach at your alma mater. Right. 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 And the thing of it was, like I said, when I went, you know, my, my desire was to be a high school coach and I turned the job down. You know, I turned it down. I, you know, Randy called up, man, we can go back to our alma mater. And I said, man, I just want to be a high school coach. <laughs> I never thought about coaching, you know, on the college level, you know, and, you know, and going back to Miami, but, you know, what changed I was obstinate. You know what? I think as we continue to pursue it, Sharon and I really just spent time praying about it. And we just said, you know what, this would be a great opportunity to go back home, you know, to get the kids closer to their grandparents, for us to go back to our alma mater, you know, and, and to have a chance to rejuvenate and get the program back to where it was. When, when, when I played there, because when, you know, my, my three or four years at Miami of Ohio, whether as you look back in Miami of Ohio football history, were the, the best years that Miami football has experienced mm. since, you know, so yeah. I can say that, you know, 73, 74 and 75, uh, Miami hadn't had a program that has matched those, those teams yet. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I mean, you were, you were an awesome player. You were great. For us, I, I I was hope. I think when I played, uh, and I had you as a teammate, I had Steve as a teammate, Raves as a teammate. We we had some good character guys on our team, but we also had guys that really cared about winning and staying together. And I think the league at that particular time wanted guys to to bond and play together. You know, that was kind of what the history of football was: building that that yeah. nucleus, building a good group of guys. And when we, you know, when you left, uh, Raves was done. Uh, I was, uh, you know, I had been injured, and uh, mm -hmm. it, it it really was something that was uh, uh, odd to me that that players would move around, and and you you weren't <laughs> right. the team you were when you, when you first started. That's right. Um, right. Yeah. That, well, I noticed the you know for me. You know, God is good because, man, coming out there, you know, that's where I, you know, I came out there and where my faith, you know, Ken Hutchinson led me to Christ. And then I had guys like yourself and Steve Largent, 
men in my life, Dave Brown, you know, guys that, man, really showed me. And, mm-hmm. and I say this in all sincerity, man. You guys were great examples to me, of great husbands and fathers and, and great guys. And, man, I, I know that wasn't an accident that I was in Seattle during that time. Mm-hmm. And, man, it helped give me a foundation for my faith, a foundation, type of guy I wanted to be. And uh, so, man, those times, like you said, man, character people, Norm Evans, you know, man sure. of life, you know. Sure. You know, I, I see, I got the, the Norm Evans story, man. I, remember our rookie year, we played Minnesota Vikings. Yep. And we yeah. should have won that game. That's we, the, are, played, are you talking we, about the one in Minnesota? In Minnesota. That's the start of the show. Yes. You heard, you, Rabel served right? up that 80, right. that 80 yard touchdown. He's going to really be excited that you brought that back up. Well, you know, <laughs> hey, I just know in that game, I, 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 I was the reason, I honestly felt I was the reason we lost the game. Because what had happened, Z, we got down on the goal line, and I was giving the ball twice. I mean, we needed a yard. And the play was I was supposed to a, go to the A-gap and then bounce it outside because they were knifing in into the middle. Mm-hmm. Well, me being the, you know, I'm going to be a smart guy, the shortest distance between two points is a straight line, and I don't bounce the ball. I decided, man, I'm just going to hit it up in there <clears> and got didn't get anything two times in a row. And if I, if I run the play the way the play is called – I hit my head on the goalpost hmm. and we, we have a big, the biggest upset. We go in there and we upset the Minnesota Vikings because the year before I know they were a playoff team. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they went to the NFC championship game or not, but I know we were going to beat them. The beautiful thing, make a long story short, it was Norm Evans. Cause you know how Jack did, man. At that point we will watch team. We watched the film together. Yep. And I never forget that being there with the whole offense, man. And when those plays came up, when Jack Patera took over and told Jerry, Jerry, I got it from here, you know, and I knew what was coming. <laughs> I knew it was coming. Man. <laughs> well, that's what you learned also. Don't make excuses. If you mess up, you just need to say it. Because you look yeah. real bad in front of your teammates making excuses. That's right. Oh, you know, I dropped the ball because the wind got in my eyes and, you know, all that <laughs> other crazy stuff. So anyway, so Jack hit me up with it, man. And, you know, and I just said, yeah, you know, coach, I was supposed to do this, and you know, Jack used that favorite line. I'll put up with you till I can replace you. Yep. What happened was the we, you know, after we would watch film, we go outside and we do our little shakeout. We run around, run some laps. Yep. Norm Evans, he came up and he did something. I carried on throughout my playing career and coaching career. He came up to me and he's at that time he called you a rook. If you're a rook, Norm called you a rook. He said, "Hey, hey, rook." He said, "If you do what you're supposed to do, there's no guarantee we're going to win." But it gives us a chance. Mm. He said, all we're asking you to do is give us a chance. And I never forgot that. Mm. He said, just do what you're supposed to do. That gives us a chance. Mm. And I remember that as a player. And then even when I started coaching, I would say the same thing to my guys. Mm -hmm. Hey, you know, there's no guarantee. But if you do what you're supposed to do, it gives us a chance. We're just asking you to give us a chance. And, man, Norm Evans really helped me because, man, you know, and I felt bad. Yeah. You know, because oh, I gosh. felt that I knew that I was responsible. If I do what I'm supposed to do, we win the game. Yeah. I, I would think every football player can look back. I probably would think if I had completed one of those, one of the passes that was not completed in the game, I mm-hmm. would have won the game. I mean, we all felt that way. I don't think we ever, I would never remember a game where I thought, yeah, Sherman, Sherman lost it for us. Yeah. That, well, no. well, I'm gonna tell you, hey, hey, Z, I'm gonna tell you what, Bob Lertzimer. Yeah. Bob Lertzimer. I hadn't seen Bob Lertzimer since 19. Uh, man, whenever my his last year was there, so right. I hadn't seen him since Z. I run into the cat, 
in 2006, I'm coaching with the Titans then, and we're playing Minnesota in the in the preseason. And I get the word that, hey, man, an ex-teammate of yours wants to see you. And it's Bob Lertzimer. Z-Man, if I'm lying, I'm lying. <laughs> I told my running backs the story about the Minnesota game. Right. Z, we go out to warm-ups, and you know how that is. Bob Lertzimer comes down there. He doesn't say, hey, sure, hey, man, haven't seen you in a while. First thing he said was, remember when you lost that Minnesota game for us? <laughs> no way. Yes, he did. That's the first thing. Oh, no, no. hey man. That's the first thing he said. Z, that's not the end of it. So then I see him, I'm coaching with the Redskins. With me. And we're playing yeah, with you. And we're playing in New York. And they had a thing with um Lertzimer came back with an old group of his. Okay. And he gets on the elevator. And man, he looks back at me and we get off the elevator. And he said, first thing, he said, you know what, man? I wish they would have had instant replay. Maybe you you might have been in. <laughs> Oh man! Oh yeah! That yeah! I never forgot it, man. Never forgot that. But oh my God. You may not. Bob Lerstmer holds me accountable for it. <laughs> First thing he said to me, you know. So I, I cracked it. Well, it wasn't funny, you know. But no, I just, man, I what you're saying. He had. It's like man. Yeah, you got. You got. He remembered. He, he remembered it like I remembered. So you hey, know, I remember anyway, a few plays just like that. That I, had I thrown a completion and I threw an incompletion. Uh, mm-hmm. yes, I, exactly. yeah, those things are they they stick with you they in in your yes. in your memory bank. Well, that is yes, they do. Yeah, I, we and I know you love Bob Lertzman. He was one of the funniest guys on the Seahawk team, but he did Absolutely. come from Minnesota, and he probably wanted to beat Minnesota so yes. badly that uh, yes, it was it's it's, well, hard, it's hard for him to think about. It. I guess I should have told that part of the story too because. <laughs> Well, I, I, I kid you not. There was there were three incidents. I, I didn't tell the middle incident, um, but there was three incidents where that happened. And it was that one in New York when we got the elevator. He made that comment to me. I asked him. I, I'm, I'm messing with. I said, "Man, did you bet some money on the game or something?" You know, I'm thinking he must have lost a lot of money on the game or something. You know, I, I didn't know. And Z man, what you just said, that's what he told me. He said that would have been one of the biggest victories that I've ever experienced in mm. my career if we would have beat them. Mm. That's why he remembered it. Yeah, yeah. Those That's things. why he remembered it. Yep. He told me that. Yeah, Sherman, uh, you worked for you worked for me. But one of the things that I asked Steve uh, Rabel, uh, are there questions that you want to ask Sherman? He said, I want to ask him one one question. How hard was it to work for the for the for me as as the head coach in Washington when you came and worked with me? Uh, with the Washington Redskins at that particular time? No, the, you know, like I said, I, if somebody would ask me this and you you wouldn't have been around or whatever, man, I'd say the same answer, man. And I'll answer this way, a long way, then the short way. I was truly blessed as a coach that every head coach I worked under, it was a great privilege to work under these guys. I was blessed. I couldn't look at one head coach and say, man, except for that guy, it was a bad experience. Mm. Going to Washington with and to coach with you, you know, I, I had been with the Tennessee Titans or slash uh, Houston or the Tennessee Titans for 13 years. Yes. And so leaving them, man, I mean, I was assistant head coach. Yep. We had a we, we had a pretty good team, you know, Sharon. We were in the community and all that other stuff. But the reason why I did go was because of you, you know. So, you know, so that's the reason why I wanted to go. You know, I, w- I came and you gave me that opportunity. 
And, you know, and so to say to work with you, it, it was a pleasure. You know, you did a great job. You know, we knew, see, you knew my gifting. You know, you were the, basically, you were the coordinator, man, because mm-hmm. you knew the mm-hmm. offense, you called the play. And, man, that's the way it should have been, you know, because you knew, you knew the scheme much better than I do. But then you let me do the things that I did well. You know, oh, you man. allowed me to talk to the team. You allowed me to do certain things. And so I think we worked off of each other. And I just, I thought it was awesome working for you. I thought you got, I didn't think you were treated right at all, period. You know, I just don't think that. I think given the chance, you know, we could have been successful. And even when I left to go there, Jeff Fisher told me that. He said, Sherman, he said, if it wasn't for the owner and the general manager, he said, you guys, I think you guys would have a chance. And I really believe that. I yeah. really believe, you know, we have some guys, we, we know we had some guys on the team that they needed to go because they, they were a problem. You know, I don't want to mention their names, but I know you and I both know who they are, yeah. you know, but, but I just thought you did a great <clears throat> job under the circumstances. Yeah. Really, man. They, 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 you know, they, they, they didn't treat you right, particularly that last year. Cause you know, we started out great that first year, man, we're six and one or six or something. And then we started having all those injuries, Yep. you know, I mean, we're we're killing it, man. Then we start having injuries, and then for some reason they want to blame that on the offense and on you and play calling and all the other stuff. When our defense was struggling, you know, it, it wasn't just us, and we lost all, you know, our linemen. You know, they were long in the tooth, and you know, so all of that stuff. Yeah. So no, I well, say that to say, man, it was great working with you, and I just thought you did a great job under the circumstances. I didn't think you were treated right, you know, at all. And and so, but but you 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 manned up and you really took care of business. Well, I appreciate that, Sherman. I'm going to let Steve Rabel know that for sure. I'll be the first for thing sure. I talk to him about when I call him. Hey, uh, Sherman. After we were done, uh, and it was a short a short moment, you came here and coached with Pete Carroll, and you became the running back coach here. And I think I think I've always taken pride in knowing Sherman Smith as a player, as a coach. High school, you know, a, uh, a middle school instructor. I've always thought of you in all of those situations the same, and I took real pride in what you know the body of work that you did here. Uh, I was really proud that, to come back and be able to see you uh, as a friend, but also as a coach. And uh, you you got to coach Marshawn. Uh, actually, you coached in, uh, 13 years. You coached some really good running backs in Tennessee. But uh, your starting running back here was Marshawn Lynch. How was that as a uh, – how many years did you coach him here? Five. And was – Yeah, that- I had him five. I, I because I was there seven years, and I would say, well, six, you know, because Marshawn that last year, Marshawn, you know, was in and out. But I would say definitely a solid five and, and, and six. Was he the six best – was he the best running back that you coached while, you know – uh, in your in your career, I, here's what I said, and I got myself in trouble. I, I said <laughs> not to put one down to build up another, but you know I had the pleasure of coaching the Heisman Trophy winner and Eddie yep. George. Yep, and Eddie was Eddie was the man, and we the success that we had here in Tennessee was be you know Eddie George played a big part in us being successful, going to a Super Bowl. We didn't win it, but, I mean, doing what we did. And the same fear that people had of Marshawn when we, when they played the Seahawks was the same thing the team said about Eddie when they mm. played us. So, I mean, it was, man, you got to stop Eddie George. You got to yeah. stop Eddie George. So I say this, Z, as you know, Z, you, you, you scout players, they, they were different. 
Yeah. They were a different kind of guys. Mm-hmm. Totally different. I would say from a skill set, Marshawn had a little bit more. You know, Marshawn could break tackles. He could he could use power on you. He could beat you with elusiveness. You know, he, he just had all of that. Eddie, you know, Eddie had did, didn't have all the, the tools in the bag, but he had so much other stuff that he was just as dangerous, mm. you know, to me. Mm-hmm. But I always thought Marshawn could score every time he touched the football. Yeah. That, that was my thing. Yeah. Get the ball in his hand, the man might score a touchdown. And I always told him, if it was up to me, you'd never come off the field. I wouldn't have taken him off the field in any situation, mm-hmm. you know, because he was good. You know, yeah. he's just that of a player. And I- Eddie was – Eddie was different in that his leadership, they, they were different guys. Yeah. But Eddie George was special, man. He was he was a special player that I would tell all of my young players, follow his example. On mm-hmm. the field and off the field, you, you follow his example and you'll be okay. Mm-hmm. So I was blessed to say, and I think both of them will one day go into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. You know, I think they're both I think they're both future Hall of Famers. Yeah. I think right now Eddie might be in in the, and I think they're down to the group of 25. I was just with them a couple of weeks ago. He's now in the group of 25. Now they got it down to 25, and he's still in that group. Okay. So for the hall, so, of you fame. know, but yeah, for the hall of fame, yes. Okay. Well, I just but Mark I, was special, man. I know this when I when I coached for the Detroit Lions, uh, I was there when Barry Sanders was there, and I'll never forget being on the sideline. Uh, and Barry being on the field on offense, and I, you could look down the, you could look all the way down both sides of the sideline, from our, t- you know, from the home team or the the Detroit Lions to the opposing team on the other side of the field. When Barry was on the football field, everybody was as close to the <laughs> sideline as they could get because they wanted to watch Barry touch That's the right. ball. And it was that was just a thrill to be to be on that on that sideline and watch watch that guy because you're you're right Uh, when you said it about Marshawn Barry when you just knew when he touched the ball he could it it may not be a straight shot but he could go all the way (laughs) (laughs) he really could and I I I had that feeling uh, Marshawn he in 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 the high in the high time of Marshawn Lynch here, it was like that as mm-hmm. well. I mean, I think people were there to watch that guy touch the ball, and uh, he, he was just a great back, and you just wanted to see him get the ball because he could do something with it that not many other running that's backs right. could do with that ball. It was amazing. That's, that's exactly. You know. And I, and, I lo- and I love coaching the guy because I always thought as a running back coach, you know, you always hear about overcoaching. You know, you can overcoach a guy. And I just thought always with the runners, you know, man, I, I say I coach you up from point A to point B, give you the, you know, you say running the football is as much art as it is science, as, as much read as it is feel. And I said, let me give you the science part of it. You know, it's a zone play. You need to go pace to the hole. Here's your read. I said, once you get to that point, then, man, you do what God has given you. You know, I don't coach you past that point. Mm-hmm. You know, you – just, just do this from point A to point B, and then, man, do your thing. And that's what it, it was always simple for him, keep it simple. And he just, man, I just, I enjoyed watching the guy play. You know, I yeah. really did. Yeah. It, it was just fun watching, you know. And knowing his attitude, somebody asked him about being in beast mode. And, you know, why do you run the way you run? He said, because I run not to get tackled. 
You know, That's that right. was his mindset. I'm, I'm trying not to get tackled. <laughs> and I know, you know, Z, they talk about the run that he had against the Saints, you know, the the the, the beach quake run. Sure. I always thought the run that he had against the Cardinals in Arizona was I thought he showed more in that run than he did in the run against the Saints. Hmm. I thought that was a great run yeah. that he had that. So, but he's special, man. Special dude, special character, great teammate. Great. I thought he was a great leader because yeah. when he spoke guys, you yeah. know, they, yeah. you, you, when Marshawn had something to say now, you, you don't listen to what he has to say. And he didn't talk a lot, but when he did say something, if there was ever a problem with someone on the offensive defense, Marshawn would take care of him. Hmm. Mar- you see Marshawn going to talk to someone, you know, getting things t- taken care of. So I, I love the guy. Yeah. Absolutely crazy about him. Well, some of those guys in the, in the league – know what to say at the right time. And uh, to be one of those guys uh, has got to be pretty awesome, too, because then you, you know that they've got the, the, the pulse, uh, the vision, yeah. the, the, the expression, uh, and, you, yes. and you listen and follow it. I mean, that's what makes a great football team, right. I, th- I think. And, you know, they – yeah, me too. And they, and they know – and he knew – man, they respected him. You know, yeah. they, they respected him as a player, man. They knew this cat is the real deal, man, yeah. you know. You know, and he comes to work every day. You know, that's what I that's what I loved about the teams that we had back there during the time with Pete. Man, our guys love to practice. Our guys love to come to work. Richard Sherman, that defense, man. Mm-hmm. Cats wanted to work. Russell. I mean, we had guys that worked hard. And, man, you know, they encouraged each other, held each other accountable. And so that's why that, that group was really special. And I know we, we talk about the loss in Super Bowl Forty Nine. I truly believe – if we had won 49, I truly believe we were going to win three in a row. I thought mm-hmm. we had the makings. If we stay healthy, we're going to win three in a row. Mm-hmm. That's that's what everyone was thinking. And I think that was a really a lot of the disappointment that a lot of the guys went through in losing the second one was the missed opportunity to win the third one. Mm-hmm. And so so but but that that was a special group of guys. Yeah, that was. Well, Sherman, after uh you know, you think about uh, the 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 time that you had here uh, at the towards the end of your your career and now you're retired but uh, you know some guys ride off into the sunset and you have not really <laughs> ridden off into the sunset uh, almost one of the most exciting times in your life has been after football after not only playing but after coaching uh, because a lot of a lot of us find ourselves weeding in the backyard and picking up leaves, especially in the Northwest. <laughs> <laughs> but but your life has just revved, oh, you know has just revved up. But it's been because of a unique situation. Uh, and I don't you know we can't we can't uh, spend an hour talking about it. We mm-hmm. should, should spend more. But I think it was uh, truly amazing to me that you had a, uh, something happen in your life that nobody else would ever. Uh, I remember you calling me. I remember sitting where I was sitting when you made that phone call. You said, Z, man, I got to I got to uh, tell you something. And uh, I said, OK, and I, didn't, I had no idea, but I knew it was serious. And you, <laughs> you told me about dealing. And uh-huh. uh, I just thought that was just a you know, the most unusual story I think I'd ever heard in my life. And I think a lot of people might know it, but how, how did it first start? And we'll go through it quickly, but I want you to uh, talk about how 
uh, Dylan, this young man, came. Uh, didn't you? Now, from what I heard, I think from you, is that you recruited him in the beginning at the college level. Is that correct? Yes. It's interesting when Sharon and I suddenly left Seattle in 1989 to go back to Miami of Ohio. Yeah. A lot of my friends, a lot of our friends back there didn't understand why. But then when this story came out, they got it. Mm. It was God, man, God setting stuff up. Mm. <laughs> because when I went back there, that's when I started recruiting Dylan. Uh, he was a high school player and I recruited him to come to Miami of Ohio, which he did. And I coached him for a year. So that's where I first met Dylan, you know, okay. when he was a senior in high school. But you left, you left after his freshman year or before his freshman year? Yes. Uh, uh, let me see. It was my second year, so it was after his freshman year I left. Okay. And you went on uh, to uh, University of University Illinois, of Illinois. With, Lou, yes. with Lou Tepper, but then he right. stayed on. Did he finish his career at uh, – did Dylan finish his career at – Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, man. He, he ended up becoming the leading rusher, all-time rusher in the MAC. I mean, he had a great career. He okay. had an outstanding career as a running back. I what, mean, he broke all the records, so he was the man. Did, and and you just liked to be his coach. I mean, you had no idea that anything further was ever going to happen, or uh, oh, that, there any, there, that there was a whole other story waiting. No, not at all. And what was interesting is people would say to us, you know, you know, hey man, you, you guys could be father and son. And so I had no reason to think that he was my fa- I was his father because. You know, no one, no young lady had come to me and said, hey, buddy, you know. Right. And he didn't. He got me pregnant. And he didn't either. No. So we were both kind of joking off and, you know, and then just ignore him, you know. And and so so that's how we handled it. You know, we just laughed about it. Yeah. And he became a coach. And then he wanted to be uh, as as far as the uh, offseason. He came here one summer to be a guest coach, as I remember. Yes, yes. And did he ask you, yeah. or did he ask Pete? How did he get here? You know what? I, I think Mo Kelly really took care of it. Oh, I think okay. Mo. I think at that time Mo Kelly was responsible for uh, getting those guys in, and you know, so Mo, so dealing dealing knew Mo from somewhere. I think Mo may have played in the Canadian League, and dealing they knew each other from somewhere. Okay, but he so could have gone anywhere. Mo Kelly was the one. That's, yes. that's the thing I always think, is that Dillon could have gone anywhere. But no, he comes here for a summer. What, yes. year, what year was that, Sherman? The year after we won the Super Bowl. Okay. So that was the 2014 season. And, he's, he and he stayed for training camp only. He, yeah, he was, he was really only here for a short period of time because he had to get back because he was coaching at, the, at Indiana. At uh, Indiana, so he had to get back to football. So yeah. he only stayed with us for for ten days. It was a short, it was a shorter period of time than most of the interns stayed. Well, I always remember uh, the assistant O line coach at that time was uh, Golden Rule, Pat Rule. And, <laughs> yeah, my man. And he said, I think he even made the comment that oh. uh, you guys, you guys sound alike. What's going on here? Well, he, well, we're sitting up there. My office was right across from 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 Pat's office, and so Dylan and I are in there talking about something, and Pat just walks in. He said, "Look, man," he said, "There's no way you guys have to be father and son." He said, "You have to be." He said, "There's too many similarities," 
And I look, I said, Pep, get out of here, man. You're crazy. Get out of here, you know. Yeah. And so that, that that it was like that. Even Marshawn and those guys were saying they were calling them little Sherm. Hey, little Sherm. <laughs> wow. You know, Pete said Pete said something about it. So Dylan and I, we're not thinking anything about it. Like I said, you know, there's nothing that should be an indication. That he knew he was adopted. Yeah. But, you know, he didn't, there was no connection that, you know, when he started looking for his biological parents, where it was going to end up. How long after he left those 10 days and he went back to the University of Indiana and you coached the, that season uh, to the Super Bowl again. Uh, but mm-hmm. how long after that did this uh, this uh, phone call or not even a phone call? Uh, I, I don't think he I think he showed up at your doorstep. No, no. What happened? I mean, it was years later. It wasn't until 2017 that after, you know, so it was, I had retired, <clears throat> yeah. you know, cause my last, my last season was 2016. So it was 2017, about a week before Thanksgiving that Dylan called me mm-hmm. and he said, I need to talk to you. And so I thought he was probably looking for a job. He had a job connection mm-hmm. somewhere, you know, and so he, cause we talked all the time, sure. you know, even though, you know, we talked all the time, you know, so we had a relationship going. So, hey, he called me up, Coach Sherm, you know, want to talk to you, Coach. And so when I <laughs> when I called him that morning, um, he wasn't talking about football. He said, hey, you know, I'm adopted. I said, yeah. He said, why? Well, you know, I started looking for my biological, uh, you know, parents. I said, that's great. He said, I got my birth record. I said, that's great. He said, I found my biological mom. And I'm, I'm man, I'm, man, dealing, man, this is really good, man. I'm really happy to hear this for you, you know. And then he said, and uh, and then when he told me his biological mom's name, my heart dropped because I knew I knew her in a way that I could be his father. And so before he could say it, you know, before I could think it, he he said, I asked her who my father was, and she said you, mm. and that was it. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that's how I came down, you know. And yeah. he she said you. And, um, you know, and so I just, he, like he jokes about, man, I was mumbling and stumbling all over myself, <laughs> you know, because honestly, you know, the thing I knew, Lee, man, and, and as I share with my players, you know, throughout the years, I, you know, I, I told them, man, I shared my scars with them. I shared with them, man, I was reckless and irresponsible, you know, in high school, you know, man, I was out there, you know, man, I wasn't a Christian at that point. So I can't even blame him saying, I, well, I, you know, I wasn't a Christian, but, you know, I definitely wasn't following Christ for sure. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, so I would say I wasn't surprised. And I told my guys this cause Marshawn said something to me about it when we were back there for the 10 year anniversary. And when we talked about it, Marshawn said, I remember you telling us that you're not, you wouldn't be surprised if you had a child out there, you know, hmm. he said the way you were, I, I said, yeah, but I was surprised at who it was when I found out mm-hmm. that's the only thing that surprised me is that it was him, you know, because mm-hmm. I have a relationship with this guy. Yeah. So, so that's what happened, man. So yeah. And you know, so that was 2017 that, you know, he told me and, you know, we went through the process of, you know, he told me and, um, you know, I told him, I'll call you back. I need to process this, you know, <laughs> yeah. it, no. it hit me like a brick. And so, you know, I called him back and just said, Hey man, you know, uh, I know, you, you know, Carol, sure. I want to be sure. Let's get a DNA test. He said, absolutely. Let's do it. So we did that. I had not talked to Carol and, 50 years, however long it was, you know, since 72. So I had not talked to Carol since that time. So she knew it, but didn't tell me. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I called her up. 
she hadn't talked to me. She was, and the story is she was so worried about what I was going to say. You know, she, mm. they, she said she was crying all day, concerned about my call. What's he going to say to me? And I called her up and I apologized. I mm. said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I put you in a position that you had to make a decision like that, you know? Mm-hmm. And she said, Hey, you know what, Sherman, we were both young, you know, you know, and so, you know, we made a mistake. I did what I thought was best for him and what was best for you. That's why I didn't tell you. Mm. And so that's, that's, so that's where we went from. So it was a great story. You know, when I told Sharon about it, you know, my wife, man, she was beautiful. She didn't, she didn't say I'm leaving you and all that other stuff, even though this happened, you know, Sharon was a junior in high school in Cleveland. I was a senior in high school in Youngstown. We didn't even know each other. But she was beautiful. She said, hey, our family just got bigger. I want to go meet my grandkids. And Sharon has been treating Dylan and those grand boys like they are hers yeah. by blood. Yeah. You, know, you couldn't you can't tell her any different. Yeah. If you tell her any different, you better get ready to fight. Yeah. Because that's how she is. That is amazing. Well, that whole story I and mean, just all the things that have come out of that. Uh, I, I've never heard anything like that in my life. And, uh, you know, we all have probably secrets that we haven't told, but that was one that uh, uh, in the exposure of it was uh, meant for good. And uh, Oh, absolutely. So, you know. Well, see, you and I both are good friends with Tony Evans. And yeah. I remember because I called Doc Evans and told him because he's one of my mentors. I called him and told him and he told me back in 2017, he said, God is going to use this story for his glory. He mm-hmm. said, God is going to use this. Mm hmm. And he did. When they came out with the movie, show me the father. Mm-hmm. That was it. There it is right there. Yep. God used that story for his glory. And so, like you're saying, after I got through playing, and it was years later after, you know, 2017, I think the movie didn't come out till 2019, 20, something like that. But, uh, man, you know, but God has been using that story, and I've had opportunities to go around and not speak on the story itself, but just to speak on fatherhood and men and you know sure because coaching all that other stuff so god has used 32 years of coaching experience to allow me to go out and really encourage the body of christ but particularly men i've really enjoyed talking to men about you know our responsibility to be difference makers and so god has opened up that door for me to use that story let alone my own experiences that i've had yeah and you uh i mean that's why uh he, he, that's why Andy McDonald called you the Rev. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and that's why you have been a great leader uh, on, on teams that I've been a player on and, uh, and a coach on. Uh, that's why you're, that's why you're there because you also have, you have that pulse of the situation and uh, yeah. you don't get, um, uh, you don't get fluttered in times of uh, stress and, you know, I mean, what a what a testimony, if you will, uh, that you've had just being able to handle a situation like that. And Sharon being so strong uh, oh, in that no. situation as well. So, well, well, God had us both ready for what we need to do. You know, it's like I told, you know, people, I said, you see things differently at 16 than you do when you're 65. Mm-hmm. That's when I found out about, mm-hmm. you know, I think. I think that's when I found out about Dean. I might have been 65 at that point. Hmm. But, you know, Z, for me, I think the thing that was important to me, you know, the guy that led me to Christ, you and he were roommates and yeah. that, and that's Hutch. And, uh, man, just take, you know, learn to take my walk serious, man, understanding my identity in Christ and saying, man, that's who I am. 
you know, Christianity is not what you do, it's who you are. And so, man, I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to make a difference for Christ. And so, you know, perfect, absolutely not, man. You know, <laughs> Romans 3.23 applies to me. All is sin to fall short. <laughs> not, you know, I, I know that. Yeah. But but my big desire was really to live the glorify God, is still to live the glorify God. And so it was at those moments, man, that, you know, just said, man, I want to be God's man. I want to make a difference for him. And so that's been a mindset that I've had and a, a desire that I've had. And so, uh, you know, that that's what it's all about for me. You know, it's, it's God's glory and, you know, living to please him and thanking him for allowing me to be a part of what he's doing. And, uh, you know, taking a cat like me and saying, OK, now I'm going to use you. You know, yep. and uh, well, so, and that's why I love as well as myself, and you know, so like I said, I had great examples. So well, you know, yeah, for but me, you, you've been me. you've been used. You t- you take the bull by the horns when you when you need to stand up and uh, say something as well. So uh, I I think that uh, in all of your career, it, it you know your career might be over in just coaching football, but you're not uh, mm-hmm. your career. You're not your career is never going to be over in influencing men, and uh, I, I well, just think. Well, that- hey, Z, let me tell you. I was I was speaking this past year. I was on Father's Day. I was speaking at this church in Kansas City, and they had man. I'm speaking to this church, and they have three services on Sunday, and this is this big mega church. So I come in there. I come in and I meet the senior pastor, and he said, "Hey, man, are you still? You know, he asked me what I was doing. He said, "Are you still coaching?" You know, and I said, yes, I am. And he said, well, where are you coaching at now? And I said, well, I'm getting ready to coach at your church this morning. <laughs> and so he started laughing. I said, yeah, I'm still coaching, you know, and so and that's how I look at it. Yeah. So when I'm standing in front of these group of people, the church, man, it's to me, you know, so you know, you've done it. Yeah. It's coaching, man. Yeah. It's just sharing. You know, you're teaching, you're sharing. Yeah. Just like when you stand in front of your players and you you, you, you coaching a, a, a play or something like that. So I said, yeah, man, I'm still coaching. You know, yeah. I still look at it. God still has me coached. Yeah. Well, that is that that's uh, that speaks truth. And and also you coach with that humility. And uh, you, that's what it takes to for those men to actually listen and to get something from what you, you know, what you're uh, what you're bringing to them. So I'm sure that uh, uh, it doesn't matter what well, doesn't matter, because when you spend time in anything you do, it uh, mm-hmm. it bears all kinds of fruit, and uh, you're doing that in men's lives. That's for sure. Hey, uh, well, thank you. Yeah, well, I can't uh, I can't thank you enough for being a part of this uh, this program. And Raves is going to be really upset because we've had you on, and he didn't. He only got to ask one question, and uh, but I'm going to make sure that he knows <laughs> the answer to that too. Thank you so much, Sherm, for uh, being a part of our podcast and uh well thank you z yep we we were just looking at your christmas card picture last this morning <laughs> i was looking at it again man beautiful looking family man beautiful yep. looking family well we both so have, thanks for having we, me on my yeah friend. you're you're welcome we both have big families now we get to enjoy them all yes sir all right i'll see you later bye sherm all right z man take care now all right